What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. And of course, we're here. It's Friday. We have collector conversations on Friday, and I am unlocking a brand new character for you today. This one does magic. There's a little wizardry going on. And this one also collects wrestling cards. And we're going to talk about magic, and we're going to talk about wrestling cards. But most specifically, we're going to talk about guiding new collectors in 2023 and beyond. I'm joined by Graham Reed. He goes by Wrestling Card Wizard on the Instagram machine. And he hit me up with a couple questions just out of the blue over the past week. And I said, you know what, man, I think this would be really good to dig into. And I think it would help the sports card collector out there. And that is you. And shout out to my man, Graham. He has been helping me with some graphics for our unofficial sponsors that I've been sharing in my stories. We got to make those unofficial sponsors feel something. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully you can sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation. Two passionate collectors about what's going on in the hobby and how can we keep this momentum alive beyond the national. Let's do this damn thing. Happy Friday, y'all. Let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, we have a first time uh, thing happening here on the Stacking Slabs podcast. We have a wizard slash magician upon us, and I'm really freaking excited for this conversation. Um, I am joined by Graham Reed. You might know him on Instagram as the Wrestling Card Wizard. And no gimmicks, Graham is actually a magician. So I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. But then he reached out to me regarding uh, just, you know, guiding collectors in 2023 and beyond. And I, I went back at him and I just said, you know what? I think this would be a fun conversation to have on the podcast. So that's what we're going to do today. But without further ado, Graham, how are you, man? I am uh, grimacing, as I like to say. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for putting me over, as they say <laughs> in the biz. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's uh, we'll hit this at the top because I'm curious. I've never asked you. How do you become a magician? And maybe talk a little bit about that part of your life before we get into the collecting. So I think it's actually a pretty good. It's a simple parallel to sports cards too, and some people might relate to it. Um, directly or indirectly, but I think the first collection I ever had was really Magic Tricks. It was my first passion. I always say it was my guitar or skateboard. So when I was like a kid, super young, um, I saw it on TV. I don't know if you would remember these specials, but like Lance Burton would have specials out of Las Vegas. There were TV specials called The World's Greatest Magic. They always happened around uh, Thanksgiving in the States time. Uh, uh, so I'd get the call from my grandma. There's a magic show on. You got to record it. And then that's kind of, I would watch these tapes over and over and over again. But the game changer was David Blaine. Uh, there's a poster of David Blaine over my shoulder here too. That close up street magic and card tricks. And you, I realized, oh, you don't need these boxes, the stage to do magic. So I got immersed into card tricks, close up magic. And forever I was doing restaurant magic, corporate gigs. Um, you know, close-up fundraisers type of things. And then eventually I got excited enough to try and start doing comedy clubs, performing magic at comedy clubs and doing that kind of circuit and scene until I developed a full stage show. So I do like the corporate Christmas party, um, corporate events like that, birthday parties, any any sort of things like that. But a full, now I can do about an hour 20 of comedy. I call it like, it's comedy magic and mind reading, I guess. I'm always thinking about the why. Why am I doing this magic? Like what's going on? And I try to make it, I'm a wizard. I call myself a level seven wizard. That's the whole gimmick. 
Um, and I, I try to capture it as like, I'm learning and I think I can teach you a spell and we can do this together. That's kind of the idea all the time. Um, but that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. No, I love it. Um, talk a little bit about, um, maybe just, you know, we, we, as sports card collectors, we have a community, right? Wherever we go, like for me, primarily it's Instagram. You go and you have conversations with other individuals. I would imagine, is there a a magic community? Do you, do you interact (laughs) and interface with other magicians? Do you have magicians that live within a proximity of you? Like talk a little bit about that. So I used to host a podcast, Magicians Talking Magic. We had 165 episodes where we talked to magicians all over the world. We started pre-pandemic. We went through the pandemic. It's since kind of deceased, but we kind of talked to like everyone's experience. And it was kind of similar to what you do here on the podcast. We want to share stories and beyond what most podcasts for magicians at the time were geared towards the business aspect. How can you make money for magic, mm-hmm. right? When really the majority of people in magic or sports cards, let's just replace the word magic sometimes in your head to sports cards. Um, it's like a math equation. X equals this. Um, it's kind of like there's more people doing it as a hobby. And I even realized that myself, I went full-time professional magician. I left a career in kind of advertising, went full-time magician, and it led me back into a career in advertising but I realized when I started going full-time, it took away some of the passion of the hobby of magic for me too. Um, so there's kind of a parallel there too from a sports collector kind of concept as well. So we, we're talking magic, we're talking cards, and I'd be remiss because I feel like it fits in somewhere <laughs> in kind of your interest would be the wrestling of it all. So is there like, a, maybe talk a little bit about just like before we get into the cards, we're kind of just setting the stage for this conversation, but just like the 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 wrestling like obviously like you mentioned david blaine and seeing the street magic and that captivated you and kind of took took you to another level like did you have obviously you're not a professional wrestler although <laughs> i think most of us wish we were at sometimes or at least i do um talk a little bit about like th- how when you got bit by the wrestling bug and how long that's been i think it's all forward. it's all around the same time as as magic it all happened at the exact same time when you know, television was crazy with unique things. Remember, like, you'd see the evil Knievel stunt, oh, stunt yeah. jumps and all these things. And it was always, it, I always think my grandparents calling me on the phone, you got to record this, it's so wild on TV. Or the family would gather around the TV to see these crazy events. But, um, like, my theatrics, theatrical things have always been in the family and people being artists and, and things like that, expressing themselves creatively. Like, my grandfather, I think, used to perform in vaudeville doing song and dance with chickens, like, the, with his brother. So you hearing these stories and things, you're like, wow, it's just in the family. But they used to watch wrestling. They grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, where there's a lot, you know, Angelo Mosca mm. is from. And they would go to the barbershop and you'd see him there. And his autograph photos on the wall. And like when I was a kid and I'd get my hair cut, you'd be like, Mosca comes in here sometimes. See, he's right there. And then you get all the stories. And it's just that kind of this wild, you're super connected to wrestling from a Hamilton Maple Leaf wrestling experience. And then I worked at CHCH News Television. And they used to actually produce Maple Leaf Wrestling and a lot of this Canadian wrestling. And I got some cool kind of collectibles, like a a cameraman crew onesie kind of thing, Um, coverall sort of thing from one of the cameramen. There's just kind of these cool connections. But wrestling's always been there. Magic's always been there. I'm a scaredy cat to want to hurt myself. So I think that's why magic was kind of like, well, that's a stem of the carnival that's for me. Totally. And I feel like, Ontario, I feel like is such an underrated hotbed for wrestling. And you mentioned Hamilton. And when you said that, like immediately I got triggered with like 
attitude era grainy footage of like, I believe <laughs> that was where Edge won his uh, the Intercontinental title from Jeff Jarrett at a house show in Hamilton for the first time. So I just think about like that area and it's almost like a, uh, it doesn't get talked about enough in the same light as like a Chicago or maybe like a New York or maybe like a Philly or maybe like an LA, but like that area, I feel like if you grow up there and all the, the Southerners are yelling at me right now, because I'm not <laughs> ma- mentioned Southern style wrestling, but I feel like if you grow up in that area, it's like almost everyone I, I meet with have, has, has some affinity for wrestling. So I'm sure that carries over into kind of your collecting. Oh, a hundred percent. And even if you look at the month, they recreated it recently on collision with uh, Ethan page coming out to fight MJF. And he threw the full on blue collar promo about, we came here to, he gave the Hamilton story, you know, it was perfect. It was so perfect. And I was there live for it. And the crowd was so, in- it was amazing. Cause I know all of us watched ego do his alpha one wrestling, you know, in a small, <laughs> like local hall in East end Hamilton. Now here he is at cops Coliseum, our big kind of venue headlining against MJF for the title. It's amazing. Yeah, no. And I got, I saw ego and some people are listening right now and I probably, we're going to get into the cards, but I saw him uh, in Berwyn, Illinois, wrestling some uh, like moose lodge. And it, he was <laughs> like, it was like, he was uh, entertaining like a hundred thousand people. And there was like, maybe like a hundred of us, maybe. And so I've always appreciated him. And I feel like Canadians, who are wrestlers? There's there's a good lineage, and most of what most of them, I think, all of us uh, kind of give a h- thumbs up to because of maybe the maybe it's the the aura of Stu Hart and maybe like the Hart family. But um, for for me, I feel like that's and and undeniably the '97 right Canadian Stampede and all of that stuff. But maybe we could go on talking about Canadian wrestling, <laughs> I think, or at least I could forever. But maybe let's talk a little bit about what you collect. I. I, uh, I've had fun following you. Um, it's not uh, oftentimes I try to bring in people, you know, on the wrestling card front to share maybe some of the experience and passion, but maybe like talk a little bit about what you collect and why you collect it. Sure. So like, it's always interesting to hear about people's PCs. Oh, I PC this person. I PC that player. And for me, I think this is a great question to answer. And I think all questions today are probably going to have gray answers because it's so ambiguous. I collect primarily, primarily Bianca Belair, a huge fan of Bianca Belair um because wrestling's about moments and i think that's why wrestling cards are really awesome because they capture these moments perfectly and when i got really heavily back into wrestling it was like 2015 2016 you know the kevin owens jericho time but then really more and more into it when um after the pandemic and they had bianca versus uh, sasha banks at wrestlemania this moment i got the the card right here oh, the top awesome. now card for the moment um i have this card in so many different versions in different ways too but I think when you watch that match, you're like, oh, this is one of those, the boyhood dream comes true, right? Like when we saw HBK do it, it was so emotional, impactful. And we're watching Bianca Belair, like the emotion in that match was out of this world and so real. And we didn't know what we were about to expect. And then they still crushed it with this incredible athletic match. Yeah, I uh, uh, when I go back to that mania, that's the match I always watch. And I didn't quite think Bianca top it and she might have come close with her match against Becky Lynch and she's becoming Miss WrestleMania. And I know she's got some detractors because some people say, you know, she kind of reminds me of like a John Cena, like shove her in our face and this and that. But like when it comes to skill and it comes to, you know, the character and conviction and just emotion, like you mentioned, like I have not seen a performer come off as genuine as her. So it's fun to follow a collector like you who is, 
Um, you know, I might pick up a piece here and there, but like you're all in on uh, Bianca Belair. So oftentimes when I'm seeing new product or new cards of her that come out in those photos and her captured, it's through your Instagram page, which is fun. And then on top, you might like this reference too, but I was thinking about earlier today. I see her. She's kind of like the Beastie Boys of wrestling a little bit too, right? Because she's kind of, she's got a great promo. She's got a great rhyme, but then she makes her own gear too. And mm-hmm. I think the Beastie Boys are all about, we do everything. We make the, all the music. We create the album art. We, everything is done by us because that's how it's supposed to be done. And she kind of has that, isn't that how it's supposed to be done? Aren't we supposed to all kind of do it ourselves as much as we can? And, and she kind of grew up right into WWE system, but is still putting everything into it, almost like an indie wrestler would or something. So it's so, she's so awesome. I'm also a John Cena fan, so that's why it fits too. John Cena's in my PC. Um, currently, Seth Rollins is a big person in my PC. Montez Ford is in one of those tiers too, naturally fitting with Bianca. And there's so much growth for, like you can see Montez has so much room and growth on the roster and like just turned heel, I guess heel, but the audience instantly loves it instantly loves it. So there's so many cool things. And then also traditionally I collect Jerry, the King Lawler, because back to the magic roots, if we Mm. look at just the strong relationship of magic and pro wrestling, and there's these ideas in magic to simplicity over complexity, at least, I mean, that's not everyone's theory. That's some people's theory. I like that theory. And I think Jerry, the King Lawler really shows that because he's been wrestling for how long? With a simple moveset, but can still tell a story and has the mat even well, he incorporates magic into his, his matches, ventriloquism. If you've ever listened to Stone Cold talk about his matches and how they work and incorporating flash paper and everything. Those are the primary uh, players. And then I collect random insert sets. If you find, if I find like a cool, you know, there's a cool wrestling set. Like right now I'm kind of doing the film relics from the 21 mm. uh, tops. Cause I think they're just so cool. That was a terrible, <laughs> not a great set. <laughs> but awesome film relics like the film relics are really cool and there's some important mat relics in there too the day one roman reigns relic is in there so various things like that and then i, I have a big collection of autographs i love collecting the autograph cards i feel like that gets me close to the rest i like the on-card autograph of course but if the panini i mean panini is releasing uh, some incredible images some really sharp cards so i try to make sure that i have like maybe like one or two of my favorite people on the roster and if i see someone on tv they're like yeah they're good but yeah you know eh." then they don't need to be in the autograph box kind of thing and that's kind of the rules there yeah no i i i uh i appreciate your curation and how you're presenting your collection and you the way you described it like it's very easy to tell who you like and what types of cards you like and so that experience when you came in and back into the hobby and jumped into wrestling cards like is did you have and this will get into like kind of collectors entering kind of the space and, you know, what they have at their disposal and what obstacles they have. But when you came back into cards, did you have, uh, were you just kind of like navigating your own path? Did you use a bunch of other resources to help kind of inspire or influence you? Like talk a little bit about your personal experience and then we can talk a little bit about like how it's set up and structured today for new collectors coming in. Yeah. So my gateway, the way I got into the, the drugs of wrestling cards, I guess. Um, I was like a big fan of the Major Brothers Wrestling Figure podcast, and they started the card conversation started there. Had a small wrestling figure collection going, but wasn't sure if I really wanted to do something like that. <laughs> but still kind of did it, but wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know. This is fun. Because I wanted to express myself some way in wrestling, like with art on the walls or a collection of some sort. Do I collect eight by ten? I wasn't really sure, I guess. And then I, start, I heard about the Card Foundation podcast. 
So I dove into that and that's like a fun party of wrestling cards every week. And then I, Zan morning, you start to you find Zan's podcast and like, Oh, here's some, here's some real deal information about wrestling cards. Then you discover yourself because you start doing a broader search and you go, okay, here's some more information. About, here's some more information about the entire hobby scene. now. Like you, mm-hmm. you're learning more about that. But for me, because I started maybe back at the major level and card foundation, I really dove in with lots of like ripping cards, opening cards, going to collectible shows, kind of grabbing all sorts of things. Like I have so much random things now that it's kind of now filling up an eBay store to, I think it's, it's now fun. That inventory is now creating, you know, the, the money to generate, to buy the cards that maybe I really want to have in the collection or something. So that that's kind of, I dove in a little too deep, too deep in that sense with just like, here's a whole bunch, too many cards, all these cards. Oh, oh my gosh. I don't know what's going on. And then as I think this, as you talked about that conversation about like, as you mature through the hobby and you're like, well, maybe I don't need to have all these base cards, like a gazillion base cards. Maybe I only need to have a few, few cards to represent some of these things. Cause you, if you do have a great Instagram feed that you follow a lot of just people mm. posting cards, cool cards, you don't need the card in your collection because someone else has it. Right. So as you start to like, oh, I don't need to have all of it. It's fine. So I feel like I'm, I'm at that point ish right now where I'm now like, let's reduce it all. Let's reduce. We, we all go through those phases. Um, and I, I, there was a moment in time where I was a part of the, the major pod group too. And that like, I, I, I saw cards from afar and that at some level helped influence uh, me to get back into a hobby. So it's funny that you and I can share that connection. I mean, you talked about like the, the, the resources, the community, and um, obviously I'm like, I'll give a thumbs up to all of those, you know, platforms that you just kind of shouted out. I think they all are super passionate and do really good work to help educate and inspire collectors. Do you, do you feel like based on just like you, you put in your time, you're collecting new things are popping up all around us, new companies, new content. Do you feel like uh, the kind of that first step for somebody tomorrow jumping into the hobby is, uh, is there enough? Is, is it set up for instruction for someone to, not only enter the hobby and have fun, but here, be here for a while. I think, well, this is a, another one of those great, great answers. It could be, I think it depends on the entry point of the person and how they fell into the thing. So I like three examples. Um, I saw Brett, the Hitman heart PSA nine silver on Kijiji for a great price, like on locally. And I was like, Hey, and I offered him a different price and he said, sure. And when I picked it up, I was like, Hey, do you collect wrestling cards? He's like, no, my, buddy got me into this. He said, I should grade this. And I did, and I don't know what I'm doing. And then, so that was like one example. Another example was like my story, you know, getting introduced through podcasts through this already kind of collector stem of wrestling funnel. And then the newer example is I have a couple buddies that go, Hey, you're, you do wrestling cards, right? You know, have you seen that King of collectibles show? Like, is there a lot of money? Like, can I really make a lot of money from this? (laughs) There's that, there's these three, like those are kind of like the big, Three, I think like someone's like, I don't know what I'm doing, or maybe you funneled in through your own hobby into it somehow. So I think, sure. I think there is enough content, but in certain aspects, like for me, for specifically wrestling cards, which is super niche, right? Mm -hmm. Like really tiny bubble. There can always be more content. I think like looking at the national it's cool that the main event happened and everything like that. But I, you almost wish that like, that there was a mojo 
sports vlog that was just wrestling. Like, I just wish there was a wrestling one that just appreciated the wrestling cards. We got to see all the cool wrestling cards live instead of just on the Instagram feed too. maybe get like a couple interviews going on about what's, what's new in the wrestling card world. And all. Maybe that sort of stuff. It was like missing, but I also understand there's only a few of us and that someone out of us has to figure out how to do that or want to do it or go above and beyond. So I understand more after you've kind of sent me these questions, why it's important that maybe we do think about creating our own content feed like how we enjoy creating recipe, discuss whatever niche that we're into a little bit more. Maybe it would even be interesting to have just like, is there a sports card pot, like a, like just on one player, one athlete, one team, and that's it, you know, like super niche. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shout out. um, And uh, they're going to like nod and be like, hell yeah. But when (laughs) I got back, when I got back into the hobby, Right. What did I, I did what I think a lot of people do and they turn to podcasts, right? You just like type in sports cards and, you know, Apple player, Spotify or whatever, and see what pops out. And like when I jump back in and this, like, it literally wasn't that long ago, but when I came back, there was only like maybe a handful of sports card podcasts. And one of those podcasts was the house of Jordan's podcast, which is um, Chris McGill and Christina from the card ladder team. That's that's how they start. And literally the whole, it was like two, two and a half hours of just them presenting data and talking about Michael Jordan cards. And I didn't have any interest <laughs> in collecting Michael Jordan cards, but of course I appreciated Michael Jordan, but just to hear people talk at that level and have passion around a topic and use data to back it up, like that got me interested. And so like that goes to like, tr- to me, it transcends, you know, what you collect. Cause I, I'll sit there and watch it an hour. I've sat there and watched an hour YouTube channel of people talking about Pokemon cards. I'll never collect Pokemon <laughs> cards, but it's just people talking about something and loving it so much. That's, that's what sucks me into it. And I feel like if you're a new collector, I always want you to find like that North star of content that like you can gravitate to, because once you find those places, I feel like, it's only going to make you have a stronger connection with the hobby and give you the opportunity to go find those paths that you want to go explore. That'll keep you here. I think that part of it too, is up to the person that takes in the hobby and like what they, whatever they want, whatever they're going to set up their limitations to be. And I know, excuse me. I don't know if you have ever done like, you know, personal development work on like what your superpower might be or figuring Mm -hmm. out. So I think through, Work my superpowers, curiosity. I like, I enjoy asking questions, learning more. Tell me more about this. Why are we doing this? How is that? What is the how? And all these things. So I think because of that, I remember when I got into it, I bought, I bought a really bad Brutus the Barber beefcake on card autograph. It's like terrible, but it was, I think three bucks an eBay. And I was like, cool, I'm going to add that to my collection that doesn't really exist yet. Let me add that. And I discovered he lived a city over. Mm. So I messaged him. I was like, hey, do you collect wrestling cards? And he was like, sort of, kind of, yeah, I'm a little bit into wrestling cards. Do you know about, and then he, I noticed he was going to a card show and I had never been to a card show. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to come to that card show. And he's like, good. I'm set up here. Told me about his booth. And then I go, can you give me like tips? Like, what should I do to go into a first time card show? He's like, well, bring cash. You can negotiate the price. Don't get in a conversation vortex with an older person. (laughs) And those are like, I was like, okay, I understand. I kind of understand what this is. It's, for me, as like I've been to a magic convention, I I, I understand exactly mm-hmm. what this is. It's the exact same kind of thing. It's like a craft fair or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I get it. It's 
I've done this before. And then you go and then you're like overwhelmed by all this sort of stuff. And then also realize that he's the only guy with the table of wrestling cards. So <laughs> uh, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, but like, I want to hit on that, what you just said, because it triggered something for me. And it's this, you have to have intention and you have to have, you have to be proactive at some level. Like you just like literally followed the trail of buying a $3 Brutus beef car. Cause you were curious and interested and <laughs> you wanted to build that passion up and you ended up at a show. So I think there's like this point of delineation for me that I think a lot about. It's like a lot of times the people that don't stay and the people that don't survive in the hobby are people that take it in passively and they're taking it in. They're taking the recommendations. They're taking the content. They're taking the buy this. They're they're taking and then eventually it reaches a point they're like, I'm not happy. But having that intention and being proactive to me, I feel like the collectors that I've met and learned a ton from are super intentional with everything they do. Well, I think like similar to the Bret Hart guy that I got the prism from, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. He that wasn't his collection. That was his buddy's collection that he suggested he should have. Right. It wasn't like, Hey, I collect this because of this. And I think that's really neat. What do you, what it, were you, are you, a, are you a wrestling fan? <laughs> are you collecting the right kind of card? Are we in the right space? Or do you remember Pokemon? Do you remember Magic the Gathering? Do you remember like what, it, what from your youth gets you excited kind of thing? Mm. Or what are you watching right now that, you know, it's really fun to hold this stuff or look at it right after. I think the best is after the pay-per-view, like after SummerSlam that just happened, go grab the box of cards, look through like, what do I have of these wrestlers that just, oh, this is cool. That's cool. You know, um, it's so much fun in that way. Yeah, it is. And yeah, that's a good call out because, um, you know, usually when I'm watching wrestling, I'll have like, you know, the eBay and like, I'll be like kind of searching, but like SummerSlam was so good that I was like, I had my phone down and I was just like, I was taking it all in, but after it was mostly when I woke up the next day, I was just like, man, I could use another kick-ass Roman Reigns card right now because I just am so excited. Um, I didn't go buy one mostly because there was nothing out there that I wanted, but I think that's what's super fun about wrestling cards is like, I don't, I'm not buying guys because like they're going to win a match and the value is going to go up. Like it's just buying it because there's this like joy and excitement and it makes you feel like a kid again. And so like being able to connect that feeling back into a collection is why I think wrestling cards and is, are so fun and why it feels like that community is, is growing uh person collector by collector overnight. Okay. For a question for you, SummerSlam question. What was yeah. your favorite? What was your SummerSlam moment? What was your favorite SummerSlam moment? Dude, I was thinking about this actually when I was picking up my daughter from uh, daycare today. And I'll preface this by saying, like, I believe that, like, ever since Triple H has been in control and, you know, he might not be in fully control, full control, but Vince has had surgery right now. So Triple H is, is booking the territory. Uh, but the, the premium live events just feel so premium. Like they're, they've all been, you can't say any of them have been bad. They've all been pretty good. And some have been like home runs. And I feel like SummerSlam was one of those home run events. And man, I, I, to me, the, what I'm thinking about still today is what Cody and Brock put themselves through in that match. And then that moment at the end where you come to find out that it wasn't triple H unless he's playing us, which could be true. He's the King of Carney, but the fact that, you know, Brock put over Cody 
mm-hmm. and shook his hand. And after that battle and a you know six month feud, that to me it was like Cody has been so great since he's been in WWE, and I'm a big fan of Cody. I was a big fan of Cody in AEW. I'm always a Cody guy. But, you know, it, with a guy that's so over as a baby face, it could reach this point where it's like, all right, I'm sick of him. I'm sick of him. But it's like the moments like that where you've got a living legend, Brock Lesnar, like shaking his hand after these guys just beat the living hell out of each other. And so when I think about SummerSlam for years to come, I think that'll be the moment that'll uh, play back in my mind. What about you? For me, I'm totally bi- I'm biased on this one because I'm Bianca fan. But I really, the women's great match, match. Great it was match. such a great match. Like, um. I think I was most glued to the TV. I went, I went over to my buddy Jason's place for an impromptu SummerSlam car, uh, wrestling card trade night too. And we were watching it, but we were most glued to that match. Maybe because I was biased and Bianca's my favorite. But I remember when she fell out of the ring and I, it, the shriek she made when she kayfabe oh. hurt herself. I was like, is this real? Like, is what's happening? I think this might be real. And then when, when you see they start cutting back the camera shot, like she's looking back, you're like, they got it. They got me. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, they got, they got me. everybody. Yeah. And then, and then the whole finish to the match, like the replay, EO and Bailey running out, and Bailey just grabs the case and then decks everyone with it, takes everyone, cleans them all out. EO, like it was such a crazy wild finish, and that was so much fun. And then my other favorite SummerSlam moment, I'm a, I'm turning into a big fan of the press conferences. Oh yes, it's, it's an addition to the storyline. They're just really milking the storyline, and when Paul Heyman comes out and describes what they're doing and how it all works. And he comes out, he looks so tired and disgruntled. Like he doesn't want to be there setting up this stuff. And then they ask him a question and he leans in and it is like instantly Paul and describing the scenario. We're like only in the third inning and all this. It's just, it's the best. It's so magical. It's awesome, man. If you're not collecting wrestling cards and you're potentially looking for something else to do, (laughs) you can listen to degenerates like us talk about wrestling and wrestling cards. And uh, it's just a ton of fun. But talking about just like maybe hobby in general, besides say, Hey, make sure you watch the first season of King of collectibles. How, how would you, how would you, how would you guide uh, someone like coming back into the hobby? Like what would your advice be on like kind of what to do? So like, I think I have a couple of buddies that are on this, like, this is made, kind of why I approached you with the question. And then you kicked it back to me and I was like, well, I got to put some more thought into this now. Yeah. And, uh, cause I have a couple of buddies that are playing on the fence and these like, I want to get into it. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. So I keep sending them different pieces of hobby content mm. uh, cause I know them and I know what they're about and I'll send them a thing and I'll be like, so what did you think about that? Did you ch- check that out? And to see what, based on their response. And then maybe a couple days later, not instantly or feed it down their throat. But send them another thing. What do you think about this? Hey, did you hear about this uh, show, The National, that's going on right now? Check out this video that's going on. And But strategically try to choose one that's like maybe better, you know, maybe like not not people just flashing a wad of cash and then spilling it in it, which is, by the way, a weird. It's it's so visually captivating, like and it's flashy on, on camera and everything, the money and the cards and all this. But it'd be like, it's like if we had our job and we got our paycheck and we got our paycheck and we just showed our paycheck on camera. We're like, I'm going to put this right back into my job. Here it goes into the more. And like, we're just showing how we pay off the bills. And it's really just the same thing because the profit margins that they, I don't know, anyhow, that's a whole other thing. Don't want to sidetrack too far, but on that, like, you're, you're, you, I think about these things all the time and you're, you're a marketer, uh, you're a marketer and a magi- magician. But when you, when you see someone run that gimmick, the, the the money gimmick on the reel 
in your feed. Um, who, who is it for? Who are they positioning this for? Like, what is your take when you see that? So that's like, I know it's, it's not for me. However, sometimes I'll still catch myself watching it out of interest yeah. of like, what is this going? Why do I like watching this? Like, it's kind of, sometimes it's well produced and the music's great. And it's kind of like, Oh, this is fun. And it's just a fun, it's, this is just fun, but it's meaningless. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing there. there. It's basically, maybe it's really similar to like a lot of reality television, which I know wrestling is kind of related to, but <laughs> it does, wrestling has more substance. But when like, you know, reality, bad, bad, a lot of common reality TV is just so badly forced, unauthentic, like, it doesn't it doesn't feel right and i think that comes off in these money videos and things too there's no authenticity behind it but it's like a fun music video watch it's like watching a music video i guess and that's basically it but i think it the unfortunate thing is it captures the the minds and the of people that are probably a younger demographic that think maybe i don't have to like get a real this could be a a job just but there's more to that job plan like if you're watching a youtuber that's with all this clickbait stuff, there's more to the job plan than just the flipping of the cards, right? There's mm-hmm. more, there's way more things going on there than just the cards, which is okay for like some, in some, for some people that's okay. Yeah, totally. But, and I, I gravitated towards like, and I think we had a little back and forth on this, but you, you, this gets us into this, like uh, you mentioned content with no substance. And I think uh, that is that there's a lot of that and it's fair. And some people called, the, the new thing to say is this is junk content. Um, and I think about just content that I like and content that is collector focused. It's about their stories. It's personal. You can tell the person that is curating the content is really spending a lot of time being thoughtful about who they're bringing in and the topics that they're talking about. And so like, if I think about a new person entering the hobby who is interested and wants to be here. Like there is like very little like collector driven content that is about the passion and the stories. And it's more about the cards and the money. And there's like a whole lot of content that is reality style content that has nothing to do with wrestling. And we would never compare the two because wrestling is, has way more substance, but like, what do you make of that? Like, what do you make of like the lack of collector content and the over indexing of content that is maybe doesn't have substance, but is there to get you to sit there and watch for 90 seconds and, you know, click something. <laughs> so since I kicked this volleyball to you and then you kicked it back at me, I was thinking about it a lot and I was like, I don't know. It's so hard because sports is like, I'm still newish to sports cards. So it's like, how do, what does it mean? And I still, I was just related like how is magic is a hobby to me. And it makes me really think about, cause I've kind of, I'm still practice magic and things like that, but just not so invested right now. But I remember when I was so invested, I became so like, ah, look at all this other con, this other content, mm. this slimy content, this, uh, but it was, what it does is actually introduces people into magic and it got people interested in it. And if they saw me perform magic, they'd be like, have you seen this mm. Chris, this Chris Ramsey guy that solves the puzzles and he does magic tricks on YouTube? Like, yeah, I know Chris, Chris is, fine, but that's not what magic's all about. Magic is really about this. And they're like, oh, why do you like magic? I was like, well, do you play guitar? And some people are like, yeah, I play guitar. Well, like when you see a band perform and you know how to play the guitar, you really appreciate how they play the guitar. So like as you learn magic mm. and you see another magician perform and you see how they dance with a pack of cards or some props, you start to really, you're like, 
look at how that guy does that sort of thing. And I think that's, it would be cool to see that more in the content world too, like especially in video format, maybe on YouTube as well, where we're talking more about like, yeah, how people are collecting the cards, gathering the cards, what are the cards, where they're coming from, what, how were they all collected and why are you collecting these things? Like you do a great job of it in podcast format for sure. And there's other podcasts like that, but on the YouTube world, it's, it seems mm-hmm. like you get a lot of like pack openings, which is neat to see in your product, but not that exciting. You know, it's really actually not that exciting. It's not going to get doing it on YouTube to get some numbers or views. It's not going to like, I don't know. It's not that awesome. But maybe if you talked about the cards a little bit more, then it, that's engaging because just hearing someone tell a story a little bit is, is always a lot more exciting. Totally. Um, and maybe like thinking about video content and content that you paid attention to, I don't believe you weren't at the national. Is that accurate? No, I wasn't there. I, I go to the expo, usually sports card expo in Toronto. Okay. You go to the expo, but I would imagine you were following maybe the national conversation and content yep. via Instagram, YouTube. So there obviously like there was a lot of momentum, right? Um, there's a ton of people. I'm sure uh, as an outsider looking into it, there was a lot of content and dialogue. And I don't know, like if especially like the wrestling card, the main event, which I was awesome. It was awesome to meet all those people and be there and just connect with like that little pocket of the hobby that we all connect with online. But maybe talk a little bit about just like momentum from that, maybe from a two from a like a content perspective. It's like how do we just that not just be like a one moment and like maybe like three weeks later, we'll have forgotten about it. But like, how can we maybe just as a community kind of keep that momentum alive? You know how like wrestling has premium live events and they're yes. kind of like there's and there's pillar ones. There's four pillar ones throughout the year. I think if we start to like really look at all the card shows like that. And and I think also as the hobby, I mean, obviously, the national had a great response this year that it was maybe overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming for the air conditioning, mm-hmm. overwhelming for the pop-up sushi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I feel like as more people, like, obviously, there's tons of hobby people still interested in everything. So enhancing the brands of some of these collectible shows, right? Making them a little bit more exciting. I think, like, I've heard the other conversations about this, too, and I think that would help the appeal to some card shows too, enhancing the branding on these things. Like if you look at beer festivals, for instance, Mm. or local craft festivals, sometimes they go all out in perfect branding, right? Like, especially if it's specifically themed, like say you had a a group of Wicca enthusiasts, like you can in your head already imagine and visualize what that looks like. Right. But when you go to sports card show, it's just a bunch of card tables with guys that just talk some cards out. It'd be cool because even on Instagram, we all have these brands enhance that a little bit. And, make the table exciting, make the overall experience exciting. I mean, I think Rob mentioned on his podcast, it was hard to find maybe at the national, someone that had like a national, sh- hi, I'm from the national. Do you need help with anything kind of thing? And maybe at the same level that should exist a kiosk from the, a table or a couple tables that represent the national or whoever, like insert whatever the sports card show is here, have a table that represents the show. So it's like, here's some help information. Hey, here's the random free card for the show like and then maybe also because the national is so huge and i know there's all this hobby content through podcasts youtube instagram reels and all these things but what if it was like treated like sports you know with great production quality content 
there's so many people produce, there's so many, I mean, if you just get people to collaborate together, these, you've got a lot of entertaining people and people with the abilities. If there's some collaboration put together and broadcast this and made it hybrid and like really enhanced and maybe possibly like it happens with even I'm a curler, right? Like I was a competitive curler to niche myself out even more. You're, you're an interesting guy, Graham. <laughs> so they, they even cover that with like, there's a small crew that goes around like, you know, if, but it's like a collaboration of community and stuff. And we're starting to see that more, but I think it's an ambiguous idea, but looking at events like that, maybe even looking at the possibly more virtual style events too. I mean, we did some magic conventions and they still do them virtual magic convent- conventions using, you might be familiar with a platform like gather town mm-hmm. and you can, you can kind of walk up and interact with people and, and things like that. But it's a unique way to make it accessible to like everybody, but just, getting creative with here's what the sports card show is, you know, but can we like make it more exciting? So like there is the national, but can some sports card show stand out? So like premium live events throughout the year. And then we have things like the national sports card expo, you know, Dallas, all these bigger shows. The best, the best part about wrestling fans is I love how we just like to compare everything to wrestling, which is just so (laughs) much fun. But when you, when you were mentioning like, uh, referencing Rob and maybe what he said on his show about no one from like no, like the people who are like running the shit were unidentified and I think like that resonates with me I was like I'm not sure like who the workers were but like the one time I actually felt like I was in a room with someone in charge was when I went to the main event and it was like <laughs> freaking Adam Gelman out there shouting to everyone but like to me like that art was like when I look back at the national be like probably my favorite, if not my, yeah, my favorite part is just like the mo. it was like the moment where that expo hall was like shrunk down completely to just a conference room of like super niche, passionate wrestling card collectors all in a room, probably that many were in a room for the first time in a long time, just in the world, which I thought was super cool. So maybe like you're very niche and focused, but just like maybe like how you view just from a collector coming in perspective of just like shrinking the hobby C and focusing in like, instead of going high and wide, but focusing in like really deep in like a pocket, whether it's wrestling cards, hockey, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, whatever it is, but like really going deep in a certain area and like the benefits. I think, well, I mean, going niche is always so, I don't know. I'm obviously (laughs) everything I do is so niche. I think because the community is obviously really small. So the conversation is a lot smaller and everyone seems way more connected. It's like the wrestling card community has to be just as big as the community of magicians. And it's like, everybody knows each other and everybody knows like, Oh, uh, you collect this or your magic style is this. Like, I know you for this. I know you, I, Hey, I know you like this wrestling card kind of thing. And everybody seems to work together and help each other out, which is really unique. And I think if, other it's got to be i'm not a sports fan which is makes it easier for me just to only collect dressing cards like i couldn't i couldn't care about sports at all and uh so it's got to be so hard as a sports fan to figure that out like how do i shrink this like what would i do to but i mean i guess a lot of people probably do it based on a team or on a set of players i feel like going back to what we kind of talked about earlier there are a lot of people like you hear like what's my hobby game plan what am i who should I collect? I might collect, you know, these, you hear like the same 10 names. Like I hear the same sport, the sports guy, 10 names, like these mm. the current prospect people, I guess that unless they've waved a gun or something, 
but like the current prospects I'll hear their names over and over and over again. And it's like that same thing. Like, I think you're just telling me what my collection's supposed to be where instead of mm-hmm. like choosing it and navigating it myself. And I feel like even when I listen to some of the hobby content, people that are more into the flip game or they're dealers and sellers and things, they're slowly uncovering this in their own personal conversation of like, well, I want to get that, but I don't really, I don't trust it. Cause I, I got screwed on this when I did it last year and I bought this prospect or something and, and everything like that. Um, I don't know, but shrinking the hobby, like shrinking your, your C and just getting like a little bit of fo- like, just a, even a, like, it doesn't have to be one player focus, but like, I don't have a one person focus. I have a couple things going on, but it's all in wrestling still. But like, just having a little focus and a couple rules that you're still allowed to break as a creative person collecting cards, you know, but just a little bit of focus. Totally. I love how you mentioned the word creative because I feel like just as everybody has some sort of creativity in you, whether you like it or not, and our ability to express that creativity in what we collect is to me, what attracts me uh, into the hobby and kind of we're all busy people. We've got our jobs and a lot on our plates, but like taking a step back and the moment that I can have conversations like this or spend time trying to find new cards and tell a story with my collection is kind of what sucks me in. I'm curious, like maybe from your point of view, we've covered a ton of ground with just like content, the shows, talk, just a lot run the gamut, but just maybe like thinking a little bit about just like collecting for you in 2023, when it seems like maybe the hobby as a whole might be over indexed on just like the money side of it. I think there's a lot of people too, that are, you know, focusing in just on building our collections and how this is a hobby and an escape for us. Maybe like, what do you think collecting kind of means for you in 2023? I think so. I think collecting right now, I think we're in like a collecting renaissance, right? Love it's it. like a rebirth of so many ideas and so many people expressing themselves in different ways. We went through the the crazy pandemic where people like a bunch of people latched onto things that <laughs> for the wrong reasons, or maybe people got completely out because they like they cashed out or something like this. But there was a huge flux of people that came in, a bunch of people left, but then there's also a whole group of people that are like still here. Too like oh, I remember this collecting thing. This is really cool. There's a whole group of people still doing this. This is fun. We can all do this together. This is really fun. So I feel like we're in this whole new realm of like whether you're here to flip or collect or flip lect. You know that's flipping and collecting at the same time. Whether you're doing any of those things, whatever. Everyone's here for really strong intentions and reasons. Even if they're like a you know a flashy cash money video, that person mm. has intentions with whatever clickbait stuff they're doing, trying to juice this hobby for whatever it is still creating awareness for the hobby, maybe for infamous reasons, but you know, still help. It's like, uh, it's like the hardcore matches, I guess that maybe not everyone's into like seeing a weird death match clip online or something. Um, but it attracts people to wrestling, I guess, or something or bringing Logan Paul in. Maybe not everyone's a fan of it until you see it enough and you start to become a fan of it, but it brings a whole new audience in. Right. The Logan Paul of it all, I'll tell you this, is <laughs> I had my perspective, which is probably still true. And uh, I probably still have that perspective from just the online persona of where I'd see him dip his toes and enter. And they yeah, had that guy's not for me. That guy's not for me. 
throw him in a wrestling ring and that guy is for me. Like I, I'll sit there and watch Logan Paul matches. Wait, when he hit when he hit that, you know, the I think it was like a buckshot lariat, but to the outside on Ricochet, it looked just like the level at which it like of skill it had to take to like not kill yourself on something like this. And this guy's just doing it like he's a freak. Like he's a he's a freak. If if you are if you don't want to watch his YouTube videos or you don't want to drink his <laughs> drink, everybody go watch one of his matches. Start with the Roman Reigns match, but this guy's insane. Isn't it how fun, like how wrestling can change your perspective on something too like that? Like you have these ideas and then you're thinking like, I'm a fan. How did I become a fan? <laughs> and it's like, I got magic. I got magic by the wrestling. They got <laughs> yeah. me. Oh man. Well, I think there was a lot of magic in this conversation and hopefully Everyone out there um, enjoyed this. I, I This was kind of a, a different type of conversation. I <laughs> don't really get a chance to like dig in the weeds on these topics, but uh, I really appreciate you reaching out and, and kind of like starting the dialogue and also too being the uh, head of design for our unofficial sponsors here <laughs> on, on the Stacking Slabs podcast. Uh, really appreciate the time, Graham. We'll have to do it again. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed that conversation with Graham. He is full of energy, love his perspective, and uh, love the magic of it all, if you will. Hopefully you gained some value from that conversation. I know I did. You all have a really good weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we'll be back. More stacking slabs on the other side. 